0: Hey, it's Margot Tanto here. Welcome to Windowsill Chats, a podcast for creatives and the creatively curious. I am so glad you're here. Everybody, So glad you are choosing to hang out with me on windowsill chats today. It is myself and the wonderful Lisa Congdon. I texted Lisa a week ago and said, Oh my gosh, you made it. You did the big hairy thing, hairy, scary, amazing adventure you want to jump on the podcast and talk about doing hard things and so she did so that is next but before i get into that i wanted to read this week's review and i hope i pronounced this right it's entitled happy place by b medinac listening to your show is one of my happy places and it distracts me from my exercise i particularly love your chats with lisa congdon it's warm and generous and inspiring you've introduced me to some amazing artists which I'm uber grateful for. Thank you, B. Medinac. And that's just appropriate because this one is about exercise and about pushing yourself and about saying yes and about practicing and about Lisa Congdon. She just finished an event. I'm just going to call it an event called the Oregon Trail Gravel Grinder, which is five days, four nights, 350 miles of gravel adventure through the heart of the Cascade mountains in Oregon. So it's it's just really a great conversation. As usual, it's hard not to have an inspiring chat with Lisa. So thanks for being here. Pick up your paintbrush or your pen or your dog leash or your glass of wine or whatever you're doing and come along for this ride. So I just thought, gosh, what a perfect topic. Like, doing the hard things. Your Facebook post this morning or Instagram, whatever it was, was I just, it really made me think, cause I'm just going to read the first. Can I read the first little Mm -hmm. bit? 345 miles, five days, 28,500 feet of climbing, one crash, 13 falls, 27 bruises, 12 cuts, 1 million calories consumed, 30 hours in the saddle, four epic sunsets, countless new friends, and I have completed the Oregon Trail Gravel Grinder, one of the hardest gravel stage races in the world. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> Lisa. And in the post before that, the, the, you know, before you went, where it's just like, I, I, I'm, I'm trying to try new things and trying to try yeah. hard things. And I was just thinking to myself, like, what can I even compare that to? It's just like there's so much in life we we can think about and and like no, it didn't just happen like that. I had to do these stages and, and turn these pedals and push and, but look at, look at where I got, I'm so proud of you. It was so fun to follow around,
1: uh, follow along. Thank you. Well, yeah. So I actually, it was a lot harder than I thought it was going to be. I mean, I thought it was going to be hard, but, um, the technical aspects of the race were in, in many cases out of my depth, like, So just so your listeners know, I just started gravel riding. So I've been a road cyclist since I was 28 and I'm 53. So, you know, 20 something years on and off, but in the last five years, like pretty, pretty religiously. And in the last couple of years, like very religiously and my friend Jody started gravel riding. Like she she did this ride two years ago Mm. and their gravel races happen all the time. Gravel as a cycling genre is relatively new compared to mountain biking and road cycling and even cyclocross, which are like three of the big categories. And um, she started gravel riding a couple of years ago and then started racing and gravel um, racing. I've come to learn is a way less, it's competitive where you have racers who do it and like people who are very serious about it, but it's also very welcoming to the everyday person who's just interested in a personal challenge. So Jodi gets back from Oregon Trail Gravel Grinder 2019 and is telling us, we go out to dinner and she's telling us about her experience. And in my head, I'm thinking, it's that it was like the juxtaposition between, I wish I could do that. That sounds amazing. And I could never do that. Mm, mm. And at the time I wasn't even, I didn't have a gravel bike. I wasn't personally riding a gravel bike myself. And so um within about a year, a pandemic happens, you know, and Jody and I start riding together all the time just because like she's sort of like my in my pod while it's the pandemic because we, you know, and we never hung out inside, but we like rode together outside and, you know, it felt pretty safe together. So we ended up spending a lot of time together. And over the course of the pandemic, you know, she's like, well, there's this one trail that I think your road bike will work on. And so let's go, let's go on it just so you can see what it feels like to ride on a trail versus a road. And so I go and I'm like, Oh my God, this is so fun. So then I end up getting gravel tires, like wheels with gravel tires for my road bike. They're not very thick because I can't fit very thick tires on my road bike, but, and then we start going out more regularly and I just sort of fall in love with it. And meanwhile, I'm crashing. It's kind of dangerous, which we can talk about in a minute, but I'm, the flip side is like, you're doing this thing that's really hard and you're out in nature. Like gravel riding takes you to the places where you can't go by car and maybe even can't go by foot. So Um, because gravel roads are typically like logging roads or like wagon roads, um, places in national parks that, you know, you would have to have an ATV or a, like a four wheel drive to get on. So you're seeing stuff that you can't, you don't see when you're a road cyclist. And so that's kind of one of the advantages. It's also, there's a lot of technical challenges, um, that are very similar to mountain biking. Um, you know having to find a line to ride because the the road you're riding is so rocky that you constantly have to keep your eyes like 10 feet in front of you so that you uh, can figure out where you're going to go next
0: yeah how to weave so, between those
1: yeah and that was like something that i found given my um kind of overwhelm with work and my complete you know like in the last few years like which is more than, you know, in my entire career, most of my energy has gone to my artwork and to thinking about my creative process and to thinking about what I'm going to make and how I'm making it. And that's all very amazing. But I realized in the last few years, I was really lacking, like, I was missing time away from that, like where my brain was focusing on something else or just being in my body. Right. And Mm -hmm thing about cycling, especially gravel cycling is that you can't think about anything else. You can't think about work. You have, you can only think about the 10 seconds in front of you. Right. And, um, so I found that that was really freeing for me and was this like moment, um, where I was detaching from this part of my life that had kind of taken over in a little bit of a toxic way. Like I, I was working too much and stuff. And so, you know, over the last year and a half, I've started riding gravel. And then Jody was like, hey, you know, I think you're ready to like take on a race. And, um, you know, gravel racing is this very welcoming community. It's not as competitive as um, road cycling or road racing. Um, and w- would you consider doing a race? And I was like, sure. So I signed up for one gravel race that I, that was really hard. I did it, um, a couple of months ago. And then she, I was like, you know what? I think I'm going to sign up for this really hard thing next year. This was at the end of last year. I didn't really know what I was getting myself into. And then all of a sudden last week it was there. And I, yeah. believe me, I I trained a yeah. lot. Like I'm very physically fit right now, but I didn't have any clue how hard the technical aspects were going mm. to be. Like I don't have any experience like mountain biking or anything like that. And wow. it was really intense. I mean, we were riding through sand, like deep sand. That You showed a couple of pictures
0: uh, that looked like that rutted sand. Like how yeah. do you even...
1: Well, sometimes you just have to walk your bike around yeah, there's it. There's no mean, way. The really talented people on gravel bikes and mountain bikes can just go through that. Like they just have the, because part of it's wow. psychological. It's like, yeah. I'm going to fall. So I should walk my bike, but fear yeah. plays into getting into an accident because oftentimes we fall because we're afraid, not because of anything else, oh, um, I that. but yeah, so it, it was like lava rocks. Um, loose gravel, which is harder um, to navigate, steep descents, steep climbs. So it was all the things. Heat um, was a big factor this time around. Um, normally it's not that hot this time of year in Oregon, but. It is, we just happened to have a heat wave last week. And so it's just like all of, all of the things and saddle sore, like you just, your, your mm-hmm. whole like crotch area, <laughs> whether yeah. you're a man or a woman. Well, cause it's not smooth. No. And you're getting chafed and bumped and yeah. over the course of five days, this was a stage race. Yeah. So it was five days of really intense terrain and climbing and sitting and bumps and going over potholes and rocks it's just like, it really wears on you. And yeah. so, yeah, it was really, really intense, but I finished, I had to bail the last five miles of the final day. Cause it was so hot and I had run out of water and just, I'd like run out of mojo. Yeah. So I got a ride to the finish and then I got to ride down back into sisters, Oregon where still
0: 16 miles. Yeah.
1: But I still feel like it was a huge accomplishment. Like for a second, I was like, oh, that really sucked that I had to like, you know, pull out at the very last minute. But I also knew that the people waiting for me at the finish were going to be worried about me if I didn't arrive anytime soon. And that, you know, I could potentially put myself in physical danger if I didn't have enough water. And um, at that point, the terrain was so brutal to ride over that. Um, and I was, in, my body was in so much pain that I was like, I'm done. <laughs> yeah. But other than that, like, and then the first day I crashed on a pothole, mm. like a mile from the finish mm. and the medics were like, you know, cause I could hit my head. So the medics were like, let's just mm. be safe and drive you to the finish. So there was two days when I was very close to the end, but technically i got a DNF. And then the middle three days I finished. And actually one of those days I did really well. I came in fourth in my wow. category, but yeah, but like, then I found out that it was like one of the hardest gravel races in the world. And that you had to be sort of like in the top 1% of fitness to even finish it. And, um, that made me feel better. Cause even though I technically didn't do every single mile, like I did most of it. But when you think about it, like that
0: last day was over, wasn't it over 80 miles?
1: Yeah. The last two days were over 80 miles
0: the last two days. And there were three days
1: before that. I mean, yeah. And those days were like six to 7,000 feet of climbing.
0: I I'd love to, I'd love to spin that around and say what you did finish because that is just the, the, the six miles overall is just like a sneeze in the process of a life. You know, it's so here's, here's me like, Oh my gosh. And I was so excited that you had Wi-Fi.
1: I don't even know how that happened. Well, I didn't have Wi-Fi. We had cell reception at all of the camps, yeah. Yeah,
0: so I would, you know, it's when somebody's doing something that you want to watch and I could and everybody could, you know, go on to your stories and you were sharing some of the most gorgeous scenery but then the climb, and you'd you'd be like, that was the hardest climb I've ever done. And you can't really see it; we can only imagine, but yeah, you hear a little bit of it. And and what you accomplished, what you set your mind to, and what you you did, like what you did, was so so amazing. From never not being a not being a mountain biker to going and doing one of the hardest five days of gravel racing that ever existed. And it's, I just love hearing about it right now before it, before it sinks into while your muscles still (laughs) are feeling it. And, and it's, I just think the, the similarities to life are, are interesting and it's, it's just a great thing to be able to talk about. Well,
1: thank you. And I, I mean, I think, so step one for me was really like that moment when I've realized, and I think this isn't just like, I woke up one day and I was like, I'm going to do the hard things, but over the last three or four years of my life, and I'm 53. So, you know, you have to think like, this is really something that, you know, while I'm still very young and physically fit, like I'm older. Right. And I'm not, you know, I'm, my body is falling apart in some ways. Like I've got two very arthritic knees. I'll probably have to have a knee replacement in a few years. And anybody who's over 50 knows that like, even if you are in really good shape, you're there's just ways in which your body isn't as resilient as it is when you're younger. And so I understanding that about myself, I was like, well, I'm not going to use that as an excuse. And I'm also, I think my body's probably capable of way more than I realize it is. Mm -hmm. And most of it is actually in your head. Like I personally think that about 70 to 80 per, you know, yes. Fitness matters. One could not do this. If one is not physically fit, you would literally have a heart attack or like you couldn't, you could just couldn't, you have to train for it. And it's really hard, but like so much of it is also psychological. So I'm fit, super physically fit. And I know that about myself, but I also um, had to the entire time I was on the ride, do this self-talk around, you can do this. You just have to drink enough fluids and eat enough food. Like the reason that you feel tired is not because you're out of your depth. You're, you're just, you just have to keep putting nutrition in your body. So that was like, you got this, you got this. Like I, I kept saying that to myself, you just keep, pe- keep pedaling, keep pedaling. And it's especially true when you're on like technical terrain like sand that where you move very slowly over sand or like climbing a hill, right. Anytime I had resistance. And I feel like all of the work that I've done in my career has really helped me to build that like muscle, that resilience muscle, Mm -hmm. that like um, mental endurance and that the physical training I've done in the last few years on my bike has helped my mental endurance with work. So it's kind of like, I feel like they both feed each other. Like I've, you know like i said the first step was me really thinking okay gosh i i can do this um i'm i'm going to say yes to these things um i'm going to you know not be that person who wishes that i did these things i'm going to do these things i'm going to mm-hmm. stop making excuses for those things that i really want to do and this isn't the first time in my life that i've kind of done that but um this is you know, one example, you know, like years ago, I really wanted to travel by myself to foreign countries. And I just was like, well, why not just save the money and go? And um, so I did. And it was amazing. And so, you know, there's all kinds of examples of that. And, you know, in my career too, like, well, um, I am going to take this risk. And I am going, and, and then it paid off or, you know, whatever. And so you start to realize that you can handle so much more than you think you can. And that risks, you know, without risking, you're not growing in mm-hmm. some ways. And I'm one of those people who... You know, my mother would say, like, "Oh, you're a Clay." My wife would say this too, like, more than most people, they know that I'm like a person who likes adventure. I like Mm -hmm. like risk taking. I'm not like an adrenaline. I'm not an adrenaline junkie. Like, actually, when I I, compared to a lot of people on this gravel race, like, I was going really slow on the descents and like because I'm terrified of like injuring myself, but I'm still doing it, right? Like, I'm doing it very carefully, but I'm still doing it, and. I don't know there. I feel like the older I get, the more I realize like most of my resistance to doing hard physical challenges or hard emotional challenges or hard, um, you know, uh, anything hard is, has been myself standing Mm -hmm. in my own way. Right. And, um, yeah, and like, why not me? Why not? Why can't I do this? Like I can. And if I can't, I'll learn. Like I literally, if I physically can't, I will learn. And um, so I'm going to try. And I, to be honest with you, I haven't always been like this. This is really um, something new to me since in the last 10 years, since I was like in my mid forties, like I was always Um, my mom would argue that when I was a kid, I was like a bit rough and tumble and like a tomboy for sure.
0: Sometimes where it's easier when we're kids and it gets harder.
1: Right. And then, but I think most of my life I've been the person who's like, you know, I've always been athletic, but I've never like pushed myself to do something really hard, like a triathlon or a Mm -hmm. hard bike ride or whatever. And I was a competitive swimmer, but I, you know, I chose the events that were in my comfort zone Mm -hmm. and um, yeah. And so I, and the payoff has been so great. Like that was the hardest freaking thing I've ever done. But like, I have like this feeling of like accomplishment and joy. And even this morning I was saying to clay, like, Oh, I actually am like having, feeling a little home lovesick or homesick for like gravel grinder. Cause you basically camp with the same people for five wow. days. And you. I made all these friends and it's just like this really tight community and um, everyone's supporting everyone. And um, you know, you have you're everyone all from pushing yourself. Yes. So. And you have people who are like racers who are like, they do this professionally for a living and they're still struggling. Like it's still freaking hard for them. And then you have like, I met like 65 year old woman who was there by herself doing it on her mountain bike. I don't think she finished, but like there it's just like, and you're eating at a table dinner with like all of these people who are in this challenge together at various levels and skill levels and speeds and stuff. And, um, it was really, really just a, a a really amazing bonding experience, um, for me. And so, yeah, I'm like missing it a little bit, even though (laughs) I wouldn't want to do it again anytime soon. It
0: makes sense. And I hadn't, I hadn't really thought about this, but, you know, I'm about to send Cooper off to a camp that's a month long and that's because I went and, and my, dear friend Stephanie went and my cousins went and those at that age, you know, whatever I was 13 through 17, those were the hardest things I'd done because it was physically taxing and I wasn't very good at it. Um, But when you'd get to the top of chief's head, you know, because you backpacked in and then you, you climbed all day and, and like literally the mountain is so steep in front of you, you're kind of leaning into, Mm -hmm. into that there's not even a trail, you're just getting there. And as a kid, that feeling of I didn't think about it till you were talking about eating at that big table, you know, you spend these days with people that are experiencing that same level of this is so hard. And I'm doing it, damn it. Like, look at me, I didn't, I didn't think I could or I didn't even know that I was having that inner conversation. But to for me, you know, I remember not even being able to quantify kind of what that was because I think I was too young, but realizing that the friends I'd made were such good friends at the end because we'd, we'd grown together in a way that you can't just do when you're running to the local corner you know, store for a Popsicle in the summer or jumping around at the pool. So I get it just a little bit, but I just think as, as an adult... I just love so much of what you said, you know, risk is growth and don't be the person who wishes you did be the person who, who does it. You know, I'm, I'm a yes-sayer. You're a yes-sayer. This was saying yes to you. This was like, I was wondering when you said, when you mentioned that Jody was talking about it and you said, yes, like what that felt like all those months ago when you said yes, that itself must've been an exhilarating
1: feeling just to claim it, you know? Yeah. Like I'm gonna do this. And I realize that, you know, I I have to always give the caveat because it, it is true. Like I I'm in a place of privilege where I can take a week off work and do this. I can get up every morning and train. I can afford a nice bicycle. Like I understand that with saying yes comes a lot of privilege. But then there are also people who are way less privileged than me who say yes to a lot of things and make them work. Mm-hmm. Um and that to me is even more inspiring, yeah. right?
0: It has many meanings and many levels.
1: Exactly. And so, I don't know, I, I was also thinking about like being a kid and being pushed to hike and, you know, do things that were physically challenging and being exhausted, but also sort of getting in touch with that part of myself that at the end of all of it, that was like, I did that. Right. And that is something that I've always been in touch with. Like, I, I think there were a lot of years in my twenties and thirties where I was like, had pretty low self-esteem and some depression and stuff. And I actually, I think that doing the kinds of things that I do now might've actually helped me a lot, but I was so steeped in my own Mm. self doubt that I wouldn't, I couldn't sign up for it. I couldn't train for it. I couldn't do it. And I had to get to this place where I did all this work on myself. And I, I got to a place in my life where I, I had a level of like confidence that I could actually do something and then did it. And that I think what's interesting is that that actually happens are a lot of people when they're younger, there are a lot of people who take on hard things in their twenties, like the confluence of the circumstances in their life to train for something or to study something or whatever. Like they, they figure out how to do it. And then there are people who, and they may or may not do it for the rest of their life, but they do it when they're young. I was a person who never thought I could do anything hard or Mm. was capable. And I feel like like the all of the things I've learned as I've grown older, all of the wisdom, all of the perspective, all of the, you know, like the realizing that part of like that I'm the one standing in my own way. Right. Like yeah, for sure. how am I different from that person who is doing these things? I'm not different at all. Like right. I'm able-bodied, oh. I healthy. And so why not me? Like I'm gonna try this. And I actually find joy in these things. I do understand that there are a lot of people out there who, you know, even the riding their bike 20 miles is like not pleasurable for them. But there are there are people like me out there who love being outside, love moving their bodies and actually love pushing their bodies to that limit. And I that's one thing I've discovered that I didn't understand about myself when I was younger, is that I Like, for example, on this ride and, you know, also throughout my training, I was like climbing hills on my bike and I have like 11 to 37 gearing. So I have like a little bit of a granny gear, but not much compared to some bikes. So it's really like an exercise and just like pushing yourself up a hill. And I realized like, I love climbing and I love the way it makes me feel like I actually get a little bit of a high off of pushing my body physically and to the limit. And I love the feeling of being exhausted afterwards. And that was something that that was like a big aha for me this past week. Like I actually, not only can I tolerate it, I actually enjoy it. And I know that's hard for a lot of people to understand, but, but that was also like, there's something about that that like keeps me in my body. I am somebody who's a thinker. I'm a fantasizer. I am often out of my body because I'm creative, right? And I'm thinking about ideas and I'm in the future and I'm like planning and I'm ideating and I'm creating and I'm, um, and that, while that's a wonderful, I have an imagination. I also keeps me from being in the present moment often. And this experience of like pushing myself physically keeps me in my body and in the present Mm -hmm. moment.
0: That's a really interesting aha. Uh-huh. Like, because you can't do it any other way. You're, you're right. putting yourself in a position where you have to look that 10 feet in front of you and what a, what a great in five days of it. And then at the end, you know, you're so tired and sore that there's not a whole lot of room for other things that, that we get into in, in our routine. And I, you know, what's that thing for any of us? And maybe we're not somebody who can physically push, but you can, sometimes I think like the hardest, biggest lift is picking up that paintbrush. I mean, that is a heavy lift sometimes, you know, or, you know, signing up for that class with your brother at 40 or what, whatever yeah. that was like, that was what, the things that scare us, the things that we think I can't do that. And then we do whatever it is, you know, I just think it's so important to remember the growth that comes from that and just the self-awareness and, You know, gifts to ourselves.
1: Yes. And that said, it's like picking up the paintbrush or getting on the bicycle, whatever your thing is, if it's both or either. Yeah. You can do it, but it's not going to happen immediately. So I think part of the endurance that the sort of mental endurance and the mental resilience that we need to bring, you know, like kind of like capture or hold um, or find. ourselves is the most important because when i started painting and drawing i had never gone to school i had never you know i i was like i'm really interested in doing this i want to be more creative the time i wasn't really even imagining a creative career but the way that i got to draw in my own style like i do now or even have the technical skill that i have to draw came from practice, right. Came from showing up over and over and over. And the same with cycling. I I could have signed up for this race and just like hoped that I did well. Like I was riding with (laughs) one woman early on one day and she's like, she's like a, a pretty skilled mountain bike person. She like teaches mountain biking and coaches mountain bikers. And yet she was like super slow. Like she was one of the last people in every day. And, um, I mean, she did it, but she was pretty slow. And the reason she told me is she, she didn't have time to train because she was so busy coaching other people oh that she, even though she had the technical skill that I didn't have to get over the like rough yeah. parts, she wasn't physically fit. Like she hadn't trained more than 60 miles at a time, you know,
0: Yeah.
1: getting ready for it. And she still finished and she did great. But like, um, but, you know, we were talking about how important it is in these situations to like you know, you can have all the skill in the world, but if you don't kind of train your body to do the thing over and over every day, you're going to feel tired and exhausted. And like, you know, she was having a little bit of a rough time on some of the days. So I, I, you know, that's, it's like, we, we want to wake up and just go make the thing or do the thing that we imagine in our heads, but we have to just show up and do the work. And that's, I think the hard part for a lot of people. And that's what scares people. Like, I I, I think like, I can't do the work. I can't, it's not even that I don't think I can do that thing. It says, I don't know if I can get through the practice part. I don't know if I can do what it takes to do that thing. Ah, yeah. Um, And that's one thing I've learned is like, I can do the thing. I can do the ultimate thing because I can practice because I know I'm good at practicing. I know I'm good at like disciplining myself to get up every day and ride my bike a certain amount and pay attention to my diet, like what I'm putting in my body to like, give me the most amount of energy and strength. And
0: it's so relevant. It's such a good reminder. It's, and sometimes we just tell ourselves, Oh, I don't, I don't want to do that. I'll just figure it out when I get there. That's a
1: Margo thing, but Well, and there is a little bit of that that you have to do. Like, I do think that I'm going to figure it out is actually a really good mindset because it, it gets you, at least it gets you in the arena, right. Where then you can start practicing Right. because if you say, well, I don't really know if I have the skills or talent to do this. Um, And you keep doubting yourself and you get into that analysis paralysis, right? Where you're not moving at all. And I think people like you and me who are like, we'll figure it out. People are actually great at starting things because we know we don't know everything, but we're not going to let that stop us.
0: Right. And I and maybe that's part of the reason that I just love looking at those pictures every day, because it's like I'm not showing you the finished perfect thing. I'm taking you on the journey you know, and that's much more
1: interesting and real and helps everybody yeah, get I actually there. tried to take some videos that when I was like huffing and puffing and I, d- you know, I really intended when I left on this journey to, to do a more intensive video diary where I was stopping and like showing the scenery and like, but <laughs> there were so many times where I was like, I can't, I literally can't stop Yeah. because okay. if I stop, I'm not, going I'm going to be in, I, I, yeah, like, I need to keep pushing and um, I need to get to the finish, not to win,
0: but just to like
1: get that glass of water or whatever. So yeah, I, I tended to do more, but you know, so often we see athletes out there doing hard things and we see these like cute pictures of them at the finish line or whatever. And, you know, I was kind of a wreck that whole, the whole time I had like zinc oxide all over my mouth because I had like, had some like blisters from the sun, you know, I, I was like bruised and I had road rash from my falls and, you know, all of that, you know, normally I'm a little bit vain, you know, I, I, I like make um, sure that, you know, whatever pictures I posted myself are, are not, you know, horrible, but like <laughs> this past week, I was like, this is how it is. This, this is the reality. Real. This is reality that this yeah. is really hard. I look like shit, but I'm doing it. And I got, I kind of got over my that. Well, and from the
0: outside looking in,
1: it was just like, oh my gosh!
0: Just I would wake up and think it's flipping hundred and eight degrees yeah. here. I can't imagine what it is there. And it's like, okay, she's probably this is you know like, okay, it's nine o'clock. I hope she's been riding for like two hours already. You know, it's just those pictures were. There's nothing not you know it. What it showed was intense drive and and joy and accomplishment and process and all the things. So it's just a, do you think you'd do it again, Lisa?
1: Well, it's so funny up until the night before the last day, I was like, yeah, I'm signing up for this again. Like I was just like, so into it. And the last day was so freaking hard that I changed my mind. And I also need to give my parents and my wife a break from the stress. I, I feel like it was harder for them emotionally than for me because they were so worried about me. Yes. I think I would, I could do it again. Um, in fact, one of the things I've been looking into is um, like a gravel camp or something where I could go. Um, I'd love a women's one. I found one that's in Kansas that I might try to sign up for next year. But basically, you know, Jody has taught me a bunch of skills. I have a coach um, that I work with um, for cycling in general. Her name is Rhonda. And Rhonda has given me a few workshops But I really need to work on my gravel skills. Um, my descending skills, like um, there it's, a, it's, it's very technical. Like it's, it's, it's not just like getting on a bike and riding a bike through dirt. Like there's actually imagine, kinds honestly. of things you have to learn to do well, or you'll fall. And well, so you think
0: about just putting your feet in front of each other, yeah. but then you're on a two wheeled yeah. s- skinny,
1: you know, Yeah. sometimes single track, um, just like a lot of ruts and potholes and like, you know, there's certain times when you have to lift your butt off the seat, and you know, there are ways to s- descend faster. There are, you don't want to like put on the brakes a lot in these situations because you'll actually more likely to fall. Oh wow! Um, yeah, so that's
0: a whole mind.
1: Yeah, it's kind of the opposite of road cycling. So yeah. anyway, I was thinking like, I need to go. I need to find a camp or uh, uh, somebody who can really intensively coach me if I want to do something like that again. Like there, the thing is like a lot of gravel races are actually, I did the one I did back in May was, it was really hard. Like it was 60 miles and seven thousand feet of climbing, but like the gravel was all like nicely packed and, you know, it had rained the night before. So mm. there was no dust. And it was just very like, it's very kind of like the, the terrain was pretty easy. And all kinds of gravel races like are hard because there's climbing and stuff and descending, but there's, but the gravel itself is, is pretty nice and easy to ride on. So I could continue and I plan to continue racing and riding gravel, but I think before I do anything this sort of technically hard again, I need to kind of, I, I, I really became clear to me where I fall short in this sport and what I need to learn. And when people found out that it was only my second gravel race and I had only been riding for a year and I was doing <laughs> that ride, they were like, what? And I said, well, ignorance is bliss, right? Like I didn't actually know it was going to be this hard, but I, and I think if I had, I might not have done it. And um, I'm really glad I did because yeah. I, I survived okay. intact and, and everything, but like, yeah, so I would do it again, but not until I go back and, you know learn some new things it's it's kind of like let's say you're a creative person who decides to take on a job that is out of your comfort zone or out of your skill set you know oftentimes i'll tell people like say yes and then figure it out right like yeah. if an opportunity comes your way and i think that while in general that's a good challenge to give yourself that's also when we learn what we don't know and what we need to figure out or what we need to hire somebody else to help us with right yeah. and that was definitely the case in here. Like I did it, but like, if I were to do it again, I would make sure that I had more skill, not just to prevent injury, but to have more fun. Right. Because like, if you don't know what you're doing, if you're, it's kind of like when you're learning to use a certain medium of art or you're like learning a certain skill, you know, you're always more comfortable doing the thing and it flows easily when you can do it, when you have the skill. And when you're in the learning mode, it's not as fun because you're struggling more. And that's kind of how this was for me. I mean, I definitely had fun, but I was definitely struggling.
0: (laughs) Well, you know, you did the super hard thing. And I I think too, it's, that's very, it's very mindful and, and great to sort of make that plan and already be thinking about, okay, there's a camp here. Like, that's another class, you know, depending on what it is, that's, that's, I'm building a house. I can't just put the walls up. I'm going to learn what I need to do to do that. Or I'm, I want to acquire this skill or I want to get better at this. What level do I want to get to? Well, you already know, cause you've done it and, and what do I need to do to get there? And that's cool because you're just honing, honing those skills and making, giving yourself confidence and meeting more people, you know, all the things I just, I love how it unpacks itself.
1: Well, it's so funny that you're, you're interviewing me because the woman who won the race, her name is Sarah, Sarah Sturm, and she's this phenomenal cyclocross and gravel racer. And, um, apparently she followed me on Instagram and like knew who I was and everything. And so we met at the race and she was really, really, really sweet, um, woman and, you know, a talented designer at that. And, um, huh. I'm, I asked her, I haven't heard back from her, but I asked her to be on my podcast because oh, cool. Um, I want to interview her similar to how you're interviewing me, like somebody at her level, like what does her daily life look like? And like, how did she learn all of these skills? Because it's, you know, it's so beyond fitness. Like there is just like a certain amount of mental fortitude and also like technical skill that you have to have. And I know she moved to Colorado so she could train in certain conditions. And I'm so fascinated by what her nutrition looks like and what her, you know, how she keeps herself fueled and, you know, like how she overcomes the fear of these sort of gnarly, you know, areas of the trail and gnarly descents where you're literally going straight down on gravel, you know, and hoping that you don't crash or hit a pothole. But anyway, I, I'm so fascinated by the having done this, like what it must feel like for somebody who does have more aptitude and skill. It's kind of like when people, we were sitting around one night, a bunch of us who have tent had tents near each other, we were camping for the whole time. And one of the gals was like, I can't believe that you did this and you're doing this and you have like no experience. You know, she was just like, couldn't believe it. And, um, and then my friend Thomas, who I've actually known since my twenties, who also did the, the race, he was like, yeah, it's kind of like people look at you and say, I want to draw like Lisa or I, you know, and, you know, I've been working at this for a really long time where this woman Anne you know, she has, she's pretty accomplished. She's my age, but very accomplished gravel cyclist and road cyclist and like rides on a team and races and everything. And, you know, I look at Anne and I'm like, oh, I just wish I could be like Anne, you know, I'm doing this thing, but I'm not as good at it as Anne is. And Anne's a good comparison because she's my age, right? Yeah. yeah. And I'm not comparing myself to a 35-year-old, you know, but it's like Anne's been working at this for like over a decade. And so I have to remember, oh, like maybe someday I can write like Anne, but I have to put in the time and the hours, just like somebody who wants to draw well or have their own artistic style needs to put in the time. And it does, you know, require like that. It's kind of like the long game, right? It is. It absolutely is. So, I mean, the only reason I could do this race in the first place with so little experience is because I have a lot of experience at road cycling. Right. And, um, it's kind of like, a lot of people want to switch mediums or, or try something new in their creative world. And they think, oh, well, I've been doing this other thing for so long and I'm really good at it. I should be really good at this thing, but it takes us back to being a beginner again. Right. And anybody who's tried something new creatively realizes like, oh, you know, I might be, I might learn this faster because I have this other experience, but I'm still not going to be good at it until I practice it more. And I realized that like taking up gravel cycling, like I feel like a beginner cyclist, even though I've been riding my bike since I was 28 and, you know, I'm you know, pretty strong road cyclist. So
0: I love it. And and there's so many different ways to feel about it because you doing this, not being experienced at it is a whole different feeling than the next time when you've practiced and learned these other things. So there's and and each one is gratifying and moves us forward and teaches us things about ourselves, but I'm just really glad for you that
1: you've Well, thank you. And I want to say too, that even over the five days that I did this, I got better. So the first day there was a ton of sand and I was just like, I'd never ridden in sand before. And I have like 42 millimeter tires, like with a lot of tread, I put them on myself the week before, which is also an accomplishment Yes, Um, in and of itself. I felt really like um, really butch, but anyway. Yeah. So I like uh, the first day I was just like walking my bike over most of the sand. I got really behind the main field of people because I didn't know what I was doing. Hmm. And I knew this was coming, but I had no idea how hard it was going to be by the last day. Uh, There was also the last two days. So days two and three, not very much sand, but if any four and five, so much sand. And a lot of it wasn't super thick, but there were some thick spots and I just was riding right through it. And so, my one accomplishment is that like I'm actually pretty good on sand um you know there's other technical things that um that I'm still struggling with but um but like over I saw myself improve I saw myself get more comfortable with descending fast on gravel and like um I, I I saw myself improve at like finding a line and taking that line and like focusing on the road and um so I feel like it kind of was like going to camp. I didn't have an instructor yes. per se, but like, it was like just the experience of doing it, yeah. you know, helped me. And I think that, um, a lot of times we wait around for the camp or the class or the permission and, um, and I didn't wait. Right. And, um, I mean, I know I need the class in the camp and the, you know, I don't necessarily need permission, yeah, but, but I need the cast, the class in the camp. And, you know, it's the same with the creative process. It's like, well, I, I can't do that because I haven't learned it yet. And sometimes you just got to try it, even though you don't know what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. That,
0: that is something we, massively have in common, I think.
1: (laughs) I I feel really grateful for that too, because like I, I definitely lived in more fear when I was younger of, you know, failing or not being cool enough to do something or not being strong enough or I don't have what it takes or blah, blah, blah. And I'm I'm definitely like getting over that as I get older. But I do feel really grateful that I don't have that like perfectionist. Gene, I think a lot of people are held back by like, if I can't do it well or fast or perfectly, I'm not going to do it at all, especially when it comes to athletics. Right. Yeah, for sure. And I had that. I have that. Right. And I was like already a pretty fast, decent road cyclist. And it's so humbling to get on a gravel bike because gravel itself slows you down. And then you've got these fat tires and your bike is heavier. And like, there's all these things. So you have to sort of let go of your idea of how it's supposed to be or how you are supposed to be and accept yourself going slower and doing worse, right. For at least a period of time. And I feel like that's, if anything, that's the thing that I've overcome the most is this or that I I'm the proudest of myself for mm-hmm. is that I've let go of being perfect or being fast or, or living up to somebody's idea of what I, you know, somebody else's idea or my own idea of what I, how I should perform, you know, like that I, I'd rather do it and do it slow and not do it very well than not do it at all. And I'd rather try it. And I think, um, I learned that from the creative process. Like mm-hmm. nothing bad is going to happen if you try to use a new medium or you try to draw something you've never drawn before. Not going to hurt you, and it doesn't go well or it looks like shit at the end. Like nothing bad is going to happen. <laughs> if if anything, good things are going to happen because you're going to yeah. learn and you're going to grow and you're going to like try again and then it'll be better. And um, the only bad thing is to just not do it at all, right? You can't sort of get to the next level without. Kind of making yourself uncomfortable and or looking like an, a fool. Like I'm sure right. there were people who were riding by me. In fact, Sarah, the leader of the, you know the one who run, won the whole race for the in the women's division, we had sort of chatted and like shared sm- lots of smiles at, over the course of the five days. And one day, the pros started after the amateurs, and so she, the first three days they went ahead, they were, they left before, you know, we did. So they were off and running. We never got to see them race. And so, but on the last two days, um, they were passing us and I fell on sand right in front of her as she passed me. And we were just cracking up about it later that day, because, you know, it's like, I had just befriended this, this woman who's (laughs) like, she thinks I'm a great artist. I think she's a great cyclist. And like, you know, we kind of have mutual admiration and like, I fell in front of her and I just, I felt so embarrassed. And then I was like, who cares? You know, I'm just a human being like trying to do this hard thing. You know what I mean? She does this for a living. This is her job. Yeah. Kind of like drawing is my job and can't be good at everything. And at least I'm out here trying to have fun.
0: And you, you probably, if you picked a scenario, that would probably be it. Like, what if I was riding in front of Sarah and I fell and you did. And I was like, oh, well, I fell and we laughed about it and I'm still here and she's still here and I learned and, you know.
1: Exactly. And um, I think it's like, kind of like, you have to have a sense of humor to do hard things. Like you have to be able to laugh at yourself when you fall. Like, I mean, there are so many times, Margo, when I literally fell flat on my back, I was by myself, like not one person was near me, like you, the field gets really spread out as you're going. Like I did ride with a lot of people and like made a lot of friends. And like, I definitely spent a lot of time with other people who I yeah. previously didn't know. Cause Jodi, my friend is a lot faster than me. So she was ahead of me every day, but I was by myself a lot and I would fall and I would just start laughing. I would just literally laugh to myself instead of getting pissed. I was just like, this is hilarious. What the hell am I doing here? What am I doing? This is ridiculous. This terrain is ridiculous. How am I ever going to get to the finish? And I think, you know, the sense of humor that like I sang to myself a lot, songs from my childhood, you find out all of these ways to kind of keep a positive attitude and a smile on your face. I tried to physically force myself to smile and yeah, really enjoy wow, it. You know, one. their butterflies were swarming around me, wow,
0: that's amazing.
1: beautiful scenery everywhere. And I just would stop and pinch myself and be like, I am in the middle of the Deschutes National Forest where no one can, you know, on old wagon roads and like, yeah, it was just as hard as it was. It was also just like, I feel so lucky to be here. And that helped me kind of get through like having the gratitude that I have the means to do this adventure and the physical and mental health to do it. So that was pretty awesome. But my, my sense of humor came in very handy. (laughs) but it had to have, but it's a gift.
0: I'm so glad for you that you you did this. I'm so thankful that you can hop on and share it. So,
1: yeah. What I'm actually going to do is I'm going to make a, a story. Hi- I haven't done this yet, but I'm going to make a story highlight of all my photos from the adventure so that if your listeners want to go back after they hear this oh, cool. episode and like, take a look at some of my photos that we've been talking about. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to do that. And it'll probably be ready before the episode comes out. So people can go right. check it out on my Instagram. will sort of put a link to that. Great. Right. Awesome. Thank you, my dear, as always. Thank you, Margo, for for showing interest in my weird hobbies. (laughs) (laughs) You know, you're just over the years, our friendship is
0: so precious to me. and, And the examples you put out there for to help so many other people is just one of my favorite things. So
1: thank you, Margo. That means a lot to me.
0: That's it for this episode of Windowsill Chats. Thanks so much for being here with me. It's just so great to be able to bring you these conversations with the fantastic people and wonderful friends that I've met and made along the way. Make sure you subscribe to Windowsill Chats on your favorite podcast app, and please share it with a friend. And if this episode spoke to you, I'd really appreciate it if you would also leave me a review on Apple Podcasts. You can just go to the bottom of the episode you've just listened to, and it'll let you leave a review. If you have any questions or want to check out more details or inspiration that we talked about, head over to the show notes at windowsillchats.com or tantostudio.com. They'll both take you to the same place. I can't wait to share more stories with you again next week. I value your time and I absolutely believe in your potential. Have a great one, everyone, and stay creatively curious.